I see that if we can provide an opportunity and we see those early stages of domestic violence and we can link in with support earlier, then hopefully they're not going to get to that crisis end. Mm. And that works both ways. There might be a, a perpetrator of domestic violence in a workplace as well that someone's identified. What would happen if we then offered them support at an early stage? That's, to me, um, how does how would that how does that how would that even work? I'm I'm curious to know yeah. more about how you would even approach <laughs> that because realistically, if we all know people, mainly women, experiencing domestic and family violence, then we absolutely also all know men who are perpetrating those acts. Welcome to the Medusa's Mike podcast, where we come together to stop sexual violence. My name is Lucretia Rackfield, and I'm so very honoured to have your company today. Medusa was a victim survivor of sexual assault who was blamed, punished, and had her voice taken away. Too many people can still relate to her story, and we want to change that. It's time for Medusa to take back the mic. In this podcast, we'll share the personal stories of victim survivors, hear from experts in sexual violence prevention and response, and talk to the quiet leaders who are creating real change. Sometimes the content may be confronting, and I urge you to seek support when you need it. But overall, I hope each episode helps you to feel more informed and empowered to take action to stop sexual violence in your community. In today's episode, I'll be continuing my conversation with Tracy Lee Allen from the DV Alliance. We'll be talking specifically about how workplaces, employees, managers, owners can play a really important role in preventing and responding to domestic violence. This particular episode will cover interventions for perpetrators, and some listeners may find this information triggering. Please go gently with yourself if you decide to listen and get support if you need to. Now, here is part two of my conversation with Tracy. You know, I came from working in an environment at the crisis end. And, you know, we, there's lots of funding gone into the crisis end, lots of resources, everyone's being burnt out. We're having some success with, yes, we are increasing safety. I'm positive we've saved lives but we're not affecting change. Mm. So I see that if we can provide an opportunity and we see those early stages of domestic violence that, and we can link in with support earlier, then hopefully they're not going to get to that crisis end. Mm. And that works both ways. There might be a, a perpetrator of domestic violence in a workplace as well that someone's identified what would happen if we then offered them support at an early stage? That's, to me, um, how does how would that how does that how would that even work? I'm I'm curious to know yeah. more about how you would even approach <laughs> that because realistically, if we all know people, mainly women, experiencing domestic and family violence, then we absolutely also all know men who are perpetrating those acts? In some instances, 
this early intervention works. So just say we have a young guy who was raised in DV. So he experienced DV throughout his childhood. He's had, you know, also experienced trauma as well, has an extreme sense of entitlement (laughs) mixed in and really has had no one showing him any different about how a respectful, equal relationship works. So at, you know, if there's the first signs of domestic violence in a relationship, if we can link him in with support as early as possible to try and sort of unpack why he's doing these behaviours and and also how that makes her feel, mm. that's, you know, to me, I think we have a window there. Again, this is not for every instance. There, mm. You know, there's, there's perpetrators who it doesn't make any difference what we do, that they're going to perpetrate violence. But I, I do believe with some perpetrators, there is a window there at those, like, but like I said, at those really early stages. I know that you were, you're talking about doing intervention with perpetrators and ha- helping them with support services. I know that even myself, often my instincts are, well, they're perpetrators, you know, like <laughs> I, it's not very generous of me, but I've seen the outcome of the work of what they do to women in particular and, it, and it, it enrages me. And so when you start talking to me about, well, we could help perpetrators earlier to stop their behaviours, part of me is like, hmm. But I do also... I'm, realistic and I appreciate that we need to if we can stop perpetrators perpetrating then we should be doing that right yes definitely and you know a lot of victims have said to me that you know they they want their the perpetrator to lose their job and and to be punished and I completely agree with them and I can understand why they feel that way and I am when I look at the situation, I'm coming from uh, a managing risk perspective mm, as mm. well. And if a perpetrator loses their, their job, and look, in some instances, they need to. They might be in a position of power and have a lot of influence in society. So, yes, they, they should be taken down from that position. Mm. There's no way they, they should be in that role. But if there's just someone in your average workplace, if, if they uh, you know, lose their job and where's our eyes on him? Where, you know, where, where, how are we surrounding him to know what's going on if, if he's escalating in his behaviours? You know, sometimes this, if someone coming to work and we're really just noticing a shift in their behaviour could be enough for someone then to recognise something's not, not quite right. Mm. Like, and are you okay? Can I link you in with some support again? You know, often if a perpetrator loses their job too, are they going to then blame the victim? Mm, mm. Wrongly so. It's only their own behaviours is why they've lost their job. But they will then, again, focus on her and and target her. So, you know, they losing their job, they may experience the shame and embarrassment mm. for that. But he's going to take it out on her. So, you know, when it comes to you know, managing the risk of the situation, the more eyes on and the more wraparound support that we can get is, is we're only going to see better outcomes. Mm, mm, mm. I can definitely appreciate that. 
even though part of me likes the victims are like really really <laughs> like, like I said there's if if there are, if that dv is occurring out or via the workplace absolutely because mm. that's you know breach mm. of your code of conduct or, or mm. your work contract and again if they're in a position of power and influence in the community absolutely mm. you know but you know if if they're not in that position and we can maybe use that time to be able to connect them in with support I I can see that that's a really a really good opportunity. Mm. There's a potential to change things, to change yes. behaviours. May yeah, not and, always be possible, but there is for some there is a possibility. Yeah, and, and increase safety as well. Mm. You know? mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So what what would you do if you felt that if you overheard a colleague the way he kept talking to his partner on wife or girlfriend, or you had other concerns like? How do you manage that and approach it in a safe way? Yeah, it, the, the trick is to do it in a safe way. Mm, mm. Um, and if, you know, I often say that you can really say in a way that is not embarrassing to them. So if mm. you hear someone over talking on a phone call to their partner and they're demeaning or even just in like the lunchroom, really talking derogatory about their partner, it's as simple as saying, you know, when you speak like that, it makes me feel uncomfortable and we don't talk like that here. If we say it in a way that they don't feel shame, because to me shame is just proven to not work. Mm, you know? mm. So sometimes you can hear, like see someone checking themselves and, and go, oh, okay, I, mm. I can see how the, that may have come across quite offensive. Mm. So if we can challenge that in a respectful way, they're more likely to take it on board. Mm. But if we, you know, maybe we've been at a, a work social event or, or a non-work social event and seen, you know, just seen some signs of some sort of, a, you know, behaviour that just doesn't sit well, you know, we can just offer just to, to check in and say, hey, is everything okay? Just sort of notice that, you know, Things just sort of don't seem quite right at the moment. You know, have you ever thought of linking in with some support? Mm. No, it's just, you know, it can be as simple as that. Again, most likely going to say no, but, you know, you can, you can keep trying. Obviously, if it's up to the more serious end and it's happened at or via the workplace, you know, you would need to go and speak to a manager or someone up higher because there may be some workplace disciplinary action that needs to be you know undertaken you know because there'll be some workplaces that have a zero tolerance on domestic and family violence and but and you know maybe part of a disciplinary response from management could be that you need to go and attend a behavioral change program you know that could be you know at an, at an early you know at the, at the earliest time, we're going to have a better outcome. And, you know, it may be that just say an employee comes to work and says, and this would be their words, not mine, mm-hmm. that, you know, we had a big bust up on the weekend. The police were called, now have a domestic violence order against me, and I, I can't stay at the house anymore. Right. Okay. So that would obviously be quite confronting for someone to hear. But for me, I instantly think the earliest we can link that person in with support, the safer the woman and children will be in that situation. 
So it can maybe by saying, well, you don't have anywhere to stay. Can we link you in with a support service to find you somewhere to stay? Okay, mm. so, you know, there are support services out there who will, will find that them somewhere to stay. And if they do have a safe place to stay, they're not camping in their car outside that house, you know, stalking them. And often also, you know, there's high risk of suicide at that time as well. So even linking in with that sort of support as well. These support services will know how to then start those other conversations, okay? I don't expect any employee to be able to go much deeper than that, challenging mm-hmm. someone that, that needs to be a specialist. But these support services do know how to have those conversations. Mm. And and once they develop that relationship, they can then start to challenge those behaviours as well. That's really helpful because I hadn't even thought about, I mean, to prevent sexual violence, we need to stop perpetrators perpetuating (laughs) sexual violence. And I, I hear what you're saying, catching them as early as possible is really important. And yeah, if we see, if they do come and say, I've got a DVO against me, if you have the relationship with them, like, well, okay, mate, can I link you in with the support service so you've got somewhere to stay or so they can help you through this and support you through this? That could, I in a perfect world, potentially, optimistically, <laughs> have changed their behaviour. Yeah, or at least gives them the opportunity mm. to change. I, like a lot of men will not engage. Mm. with any support no we're flat out getting them to go to the doctor yes yeah <laughs> so, it's true uh, so if we can uh, any opportunity to offer them support is an opportunity for change hi lucretia here i hope you're enjoying today's conversation i always learn so much from my guests and i hope you do too After all, the whole reason for this podcast is to empower everyday people like you and me with the information and tools we need to stop sexual violence in our communities. I honestly believe we all have a role to play and we can create real change through our own grassroots actions. If you'd like to support this podcast and help fund its production and promotion so we can reach even more people, you can become a patron. Just click the button on the website or in the Podbean app and put in your details. You can give as much or as little as you like, and I would be so grateful for your support. Now, let's get back to today's guest. And, and just if every part of our society is, you know, really wrapping around this issue and trying to provide those opportunities, I, you know, I just think that, you know, that's probably the only way we are going to see change because what mm-hmm. we're doing at the moment is really not working. No, it's, it's not working. It's no. what, what we're doing right now is not working. And the numbers are as bad as I think they've ever been and the numbers have never been great. I think to that conversation with the perpetrator, you know, if men who are listening to this podcast now have that little tool in their tool belt so that if they know a man who comes to them and says, I've got a DVO order against me, that the man whose mate can then say, oh, mate, like, let's see if we can get you linked up with some support, 
then the men become part of that conversation in a much more proactive and, and positive way in supporting each other to move through from behaviours that are incredibly toxic and unhealthy to potentially a new way of relating in their relationships and having support from other men to understand their behaviours and to move into that new way of being. And I think that would be an amazing outcome. So thank you for even bringing that up because it's certainly not the top of mind for me. I, I think it's incredibly important that people know what to do in those situations as well. Mm. Yes, and and yeah, and it has to be in a, and definitely wouldn't encourage anyone to start a conversation if it's not safe to do so. Absolutely. And, and you're right, it, it's probably more safe for men to have mm. that conversation and mm. than women. It's not to say that a woman can't, but it often, yeah, it's mm. safer for a from yeah. to actually start that conversation and say, now you don't quite seem yourself, you know, <laughs> or we don't talk about women like that. Sometimes mm. it's just something really simple. Mm, mm, absolutely. That's really helpful. Thank you so much, Tracy. Like this has just been such an interesting and insightful conversation today. I, I have definitely got a lot out of it and I, I would assume that, our listeners will get a lot out of it as well. I'm going to include the, the links to you, Tracy's socials and other information in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to find out more about her work, please do reach out and, and follow along and see what Tracy is up to. She's particularly active on LinkedIn, which is where I've also come across her myself. So please just jump on there and check out the work that she's doing. And I hope that you all feel more well-equipped to support your colleagues and employees in your workplaces and also now realise that you are empowered to make changes in where you work and that it's not just something that happens in the personal realm and that we all have the power to change things for the better. So thank you so much, Tracy, for joining me today. It's been a real honour and a privilege to chat to you. Thank um, you for having me along. I really appreciate you, you know, starting this conversation. Mm-hmm. And really, and hopefully that then prompts other people to start the conversation as well. And the more we talk about this issue, the better we will be at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Have an awesome day. Thanks so much for your company today. If you feel more informed or empowered after listening to this podcast, please leave us a review or share this episode with a friend or family member. Medusa's Mic is brought to you by the Stop Sexual Violence Collaboration, an enterprise to bring people together to discuss and facilitate sexual violence prevention and response initiatives. The music for today's podcast is brought to you by Dima Tishko from Tank. The opinions and perspectives offered on Medusa's Mic are solely those of the interviewer and the interviewees. They are our express personal opinions and views. They are not intended or meant to replace any treatment or advice you may be receiving from a licensed professional. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional, psychological, medical or legal help, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. This episode is copyrighted and should not be reproduced without express permission from SSV Colab and Lucretia Ackfield.